Hey guys, what's up? Here is my interview with Michael Dweck and Gregory Kershaw. They are the co-directors and co-writers of this first-rate documentary called The Truffle Hunters. The Truffle Hunters were running at 88 minutes, rated PG-13, is now out this week. It started August 17th, this week on Blu-ray and DVD. 84 minutes, no complaints there. Really a lot packed into this 84-minute narrative. I, To be honest, I could have seen The Truffle Hunters, a three-hour extended director's cut on this. It's a very fascinating documentary, but that, again, that is not a complaint. 84 minutes is good enough, but I don't know how you guys will feel about this doc, but I felt like I could have actually looked into these lives of these men for several more hours. It's that interesting of a storyline. Ultimately, okay, it is set in northwest Italy, and it centers on a group of elderly men and when i mean elderly they're not elderly as they're dwindling in life and they're sitting on their porch waiting to count the end of their days these guys have more a million times more energy than i do some of these men all these men are truffle hunters one of them is a former truffle hunter but most of these men their passion in life is their inextricable bond with their dogs they go out with their dogs to hunt for truffles specifically this rare white alba truffle that surrounds the region where they live in piedmont italy and what happens is some of these hunters actually even though they're elderly they will work all day in the farm and then sleep a little bit in the afternoon go out in the dead of night in the dark darkest night to actually hunt for white alba truffles with their dog and probably a flashlight over their head or whatnot either in this interview with dweck and kershaw okay they talk about how they these these men they don't even have cell phones or computers which i found really hard to believe maybe i don't even know if wi-fi is even in the there has to be wi-fi in the village but you will watch in 84 minutes it'll it's like a time travel back to a a certain past and it's really wonderful to actually watch these men work and these men live and have good food at their tables and whatnot and also this movie delves into sort of the capitalistic chain of truffle hunting there you get to see how there is this one businessman who what he does is from 12 to 6 in the morning he'll buy truffles from some of these denizens of the area for a certain price and then he'll sell them on the market for a much higher profit so you'll get to see the business end of the truffle hunters as well as the pure passion behind the idea that the journey of hunting down or finding these white alba truffles it's a very interesting slice of life look also this is one of the the best looking documentaries i've seen in the last several years it is as as michael dweck says during the interview there there's a painter like approach to the to the documentary which i find really interesting it is beautiful just on a visual sense to watch it so on it hits on different marks on a visual composition level it's just you can turn the volume down on this doc and just just marvel at the sights of northwest italy and wish maybe one day you might want to visit there if you haven't already on the second level these men are very interesting their lives are interesting again i i wish there was a three to three to four hour cut maybe one of these days i'd love to see what it, the filmmakers actually unleash some of the the deleted scenes they've cultivated over the years they spent three years making this movie so you the pace the relaxing and meditative pace of this movie just get ready for it so if you just in my opinion just sit down relax and just get into the relaxed groove of the trouble hunters okay don't expect any quick cutting action this is not that type of movie this is an observation of life okay so that's my main advice into going into watching the trouble hunters also there's no really elaborate 
documentary VO or a lot of talking head interviews, which most of us see in documentaries. I'm, we're, I'm sure we're all fine with those tropes. Those tropes are gone with this movie, with The Truffle Hunters. So this is more of a different documentary in many ways. So yeah, highly recommended. Here's my interview again with co-directors Michael Dweck and Gregory Kershaw. Thank you guys so much for supporting Bruce Perky, Eric Holmes, and I here on the Find Your Film Podcast. Again, if you want to support our program, there's links in our in our podcast show notes regarding how to rent and purchase purchase the Truffle Hunters. We receive a small commission along with our, our cinematics buddy, Anderson Cowan, for every rental or purchase of the Truffle Hunters. Also, my Deepest Dream YouTube channel, trying to get up there to finally, my antisocial self is trying to actually pump up the YouTube channel to get to finally once in just to try to get to a thousand subscription subscribers so maybe i need to actually get out there and be more social and not be a hermit and stop watching 500 movies seemingly a week but okay i'm babbling here is the interview with michael dweck and gregor kershaw very interesting interview regarding the truffle hunters and would love to hear what you guys think of this movie if you've already seen it or if you plan to see it down the road take care guys and again thanks for your support bye Hey guys, so really, really love this documentary. And I was reading an, an interview with you guys, and it took around three years to actually make this movie. Was how much of was it just getting to know the lay of the land and the people in the town? Was that one of the biggest challenges and maybe one of the best parts about making this documentary for both of you? Well, um yeah, I mean, for for us, our process is that we 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 immerse ourselves in a community to really learn about it because we're not only do we not speak the language, we're also, you know, trying to immerse ourselves in a community that not even Italians know existed. So we, you know, it just takes a lot of time. We spent probably three to four months without even picking up a camera, just doing our route, which was meeting with, I think we started to meet with seven families, uh, truffle hunters. And we just, you know, well, it wasn't that difficult because we'd end up sharing meals with them. A lot of, a lot of wine, a lot of good food. And uh, a lot of a lot of espresso, but it was you know it took it. I mean, it took quite a while because first you know everything in this community is a secret. Nobody uh, wanted to tell us who truffle hunters were because they wanted they want to protect them, and it, and it makes sense because they come out truffle hunters come out at night and they're hunting uh, you know from November through January with their dogs, typically not you know not in the moonlight, so you can't see them. And the reason they're out at night because they don't want anybody to find them, to see where their spots are. The dogs also don't bark. You know, the dogs are just sniffing around. So everything there is is quite secretive. So, you know, we had, first we met, I think, a, a priest. And we asked the priest who the truffle hunters are. And he guided us to one hunter. And then, of course, he said, I'm not a truffle hunter. I don't know what the priest is talking about. And then, of course, that led us to somebody else. And eventually, we, you know, we found this this community. But, it, you know, it, it took quite a bit of time. And, and the way we shot the film also is that we ended up shooting, you know, one one shot a day at the most. We were quite patient and we didn't pull a camera out until everything really felt right where they were really comfortable we, we became part of their family you know i'm gonna turn 50 in about a couple of months and, and i look at some of these guys and, and truffle hunting at night and d- from your perspective where do they get their energy and was that inspiring to see them against all the wishes of their family to just to keep on trudging forward, at least most of them, one of them that didn't really want to do it. Can you just talk about that vitality? Did it inspire both of you as filmmakers and did it help both of you continue to, to move forward on your journey too? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's why we made the film. The people in the film are, you know, we, we, we felt the region is, is so breathtakingly beautiful, but the, these truffle hunters, when we met them, we just, we knew that they're, was a film in their story because just being around them you're, you're 
it, you're lifted up by them. You're lifted up by the, the, the laughter that they, it's just a part of their life, the energy that they have and the, and the passion that they have. And it, it's a film, you know, when we were first to told about this world and people talked about truffle hunters, they, they, you know, they described it as old men who go out into the woods. And we, you know, we were thinking this might be a film that's ex exploring, you know, exploring the end of life, but it felt very much to be the opposite of that. It felt like we were making a film about young men. It felt like we were like, felt like we were being transported back into Italy in the 1960s and hanging out with a bunch of, you know, teenagers in that era. Cause that's, that's the energy that these guys moved around with. There's a little bit of a mini war going on with the truffle hunters. And can you just talk about that theme as opposed to commerce where, you know, there's, there's a white truffle and it's auctioned off. There are people higher up on the chain doing it pretty much for the almighty dollar, but then there's just a whole doing it for the love and for the support of your community. When did that theme, I guess, surface within the project? And I think that's very interesting and it really reflects our own society and, and how we want to go about our own daily lives, I, I suppose. What we found interesting is that these worlds existed very, you know, geographically very close to one another. The truffle hunters like Carlo and Sergio, uh, Aurelio, Gidio, these, these people live maybe and 10 miles from what's considered the city of Alba, which, you know, which compared to cities like in the U.S. and San Francisco and New York, is considered a, a basically a big village. Um, but they don't really, they don't, that's not part of their world, the truffle hunters, that world, the village. They really, they live in these, in these beautiful, isolated homes and they're farmers. So during the day, they're doing their farming. Like Carlo is a, grows grapes, grows white wine grapes. So he's very, very busy up at five in the morning, does his farm work, and then takes a, you know, takes a nap and then wakes up and goes truffle hunting 12 hours a night. You know, um, you know for, I mean, this, this man is walking 15 to 20 miles a night in the dark, in the mud with no lights. And he does it for the passion because maybe in two or three weeks, you might find a little nugget, maybe this big, which is worth, I don't know, maybe a hundred euros. Um, and then the other side of the world is John Franco, the truffle dealer, whose father was a, a dealer who was really close to them, close to them because he was kind of one of them. He lived in, the, in an isolated town like they did. But then John Franco, you know, is, is a man who you know, drives a Range Rover. He lives in the city and he's the guy that really goes around at night from you know, midnight till six in the morning you know, buying these truffles up and selling them in a store where it looks like he's selling diamonds. And the one scene where there's a, a like a dome where he's putting in these these truffles, each one is labeled carefully and it's lit just like diamonds with these beautiful lights. Um, and he's on the phone all day talking in five languages, different countries selling thousands of euros worth of truffles. But you know, but those worlds, you know, he's the only person that kind of bounces between those two worlds. And you know, we we thought about it. Do these truffle hunters think they're being taken advantage of? And the more we got to know them, the more we realized, well, it wasn't really about the money for them. It was really about being with their with their dogs who, as you see in the film, they're like family members. And it's about being in the, in the woods and being close to nature um, and growing your own food. Uh, they, have, they don't have cell phones. They don't walk around with smartphones. They don't have computers at home. They're not, they don't live lives like John Franco does, but their lives are, are joyful. I mean, they have really full, healthy, wonderful lives. Um, and John Franco on the other side is just a life full of stress. <laughs> this poor, I mean, this guy is, he's a, Greg, you think he sleeps what? We don't. We sleep one hour a night or two hours a night during. The I three was going to say he doesn't sleep. Yeah, he just doesn't sleep. You know. So and you know and his life is about money, and of course, as you're saying, it, it aligns with a lot of things that we're seeing, of course, in you know 
in uh, you know capitalist society. Well, no matter how much money one makes, uh, high on the ladder, how many of us can say we can actually, on a daily basis, a have a good meal, or pl- mm-hmm. or b play the drums out on an open field with no one bothering <laughs> us? Can any of us say that? We, you know, we got we got to experience. You know, uh, we got to look in on that life and experience it, and just you know, I mean, every. You know, these meals, I mean, it was one of the, the big perks of making a film in northern Italy. I mean, there's no there's nothing less than a three course meal there. And, you know, every meal is like two hours long. We had to, you know, it was it was coming coming from um, other documentaries. You know, there's a certain production schedule that you want to stick on when you when you start shooting. And we really had to turn that up idea on its head and start moving to the pace of this community that we were filming with. And in at first it was, that was a really difficult thing to do to slow down, but that that's what this, that's what this world told us to do. And we slowed down, we slowed down the way that we were interacting with the world, the way our production was functioning. And then we, that we realized that the film needed to be, you know, we, we needed to observe the film and give the audience a way to, to, to look at the, look at the world and, and just, study its beauty and that's what we tried to do in a lot of the frames of the film you know we, we wanted it we wanted to bring the audience into this world to bring them into the way the way it feels to be a part of this world and that meant you know sculpting the images sculpting the sound and and then just letting people observe the action of these the, the actions of these amazing people that we were with in front of the camera two-part question can you t- just talk about the i, I guess the, maybe it's not such a creative gamble but i th- i thought it was a brilliant choice of not using spoon feeding voiceover to tell the audience what to feel or who this, who these people are. I thought that was a brilliant choice. And then when people ask you, what camera did you use for your documentary? Because it's such a beautiful looking film. Is it sometimes not just about the camera, but like you were saying, Gregory, about the way you sculpt the frame, the sound design, it just really, it really depends on how much research you really put into your compositions. Sometimes it's really not just about the technical aspect behind making your film beautiful. You know, it's just the two of us. I mean, we're, our crew is just Gregory, Gregory and myself driving a van um, uh, around Piedmont. Um, and we have a sound designer that meets us at the shoot. And we have a, you know, a translator who's also our, our co-producer. So we're pretty lean. And um, because of that, everything we're doing is fairly intimate. You know, when we're invited to someone's home to share a meal with them, we're sharing a meal with them and we're learning about their lives. And, and because this went on for three years, we learned quite a bit about them. And, uh, you know, when, when Gregory was talking about having the audience feel how it felt to us to be there, that was that's that was really important is that we the reason one of the reasons the frames are so still first, because it's a lot of ways it felt like an Italian painting to us these environments, they were very, they were beautiful. And they were, and the, sometimes the light was just, you know, the light was magnificent, but you, we, we went into Carlo's dining room, Maria eating dinner, that beautiful pink wall and the painting of their home and a picture of their wedding. I mean, the things, it, it was just really perfect, but it also said a lot about their lives. And we felt that we wanted the audience to, to study that, right? We wanted the audience to really take the time and learn how to see again. And, and that's one of the reasons why there's no, there's no editing in those shots with the exception of the doggy camp, but all the other shots in the film are still shots like paintings and they're long shots. Like you saw, it just makes you, you know, kind of study. And the camera we use was an Ari Alexa mini, which is, you know, it's a, um, it's a beautiful camera, but I think, um, but I think a lot of it is just taking time. And, you know, we would sometimes take, I don't know, five and six hours to, to set up a shot and we're waiting because we knew if we talked to Sergio and Sergio said, okay, you can come to my house. I'm going to be giving, um, you know, 
bath to my dog. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, we get to the house, we line up the shot, everything looks beautiful. We wait for the light to be perfect. And then we find out Sergio, it had rained the day before and that his truffles blooming in the forest and he's gone. And we won't see him for another 20 hours. And that's, then you kind of go to the forest and try to get a shot of Sergio in the forest one day. So all of that was, you know, it was a very fluid process, but it, it took patience for us. We didn't, you know, sometimes we'd be there for 10 days and get three shots. That's kind of how it was. My final question to you guys is I, I um, host a movie po- podcast and we usually ask our filmmakers and actors to name one of their all-time favorite movies. And what is it about this specific movie that still resonates with you today? And this pick shouldn't just be a nostalgic pick, but still applies to your life today. Yeah, that's, that's a tough one. I mean, because it, it changes with changes with the season and <laughs> with whatever, whatever I'm thinking about at the moment. But I, I mean, I, you know, I can point... I guess to a film that you know that I think was in the back of our both of our minds while we were making the Truffle Hunters, which would be Umberto Di De Sica's film. And I mean, there's a lot. Of course, it's it's an Italian film, and it's about an, an older man, and and it's about his relationship with his dog. And it's a really that dog. You know, it, um, it you don't you're not um, aware of it during the entire film, but you you come to realize that dog is the most important thing in the world for him. And his whole world revolves around that, and I think that the spirit of that film was very much uh, in our in our in our in our in our hearts as we were making the Truffle Hunters. We spent a lot of time talking about you know, Italian neorealists, you know, De Sica, like Greg was talking about, and Franco uh, Piavoli and Olmi. I mean, those are you know those are filmmakers we really we really enjoy, and Fellini also. But what I were you know, when we drive in his van around town, it gives us you know quite a bit of time to talk about things like that. And but that that, that had a lot to do with uh, with our with with I, I guess our, our filmmaking that thought. But a lot of it was inspired by painters. You know, Caravaggio, Titian, Raphael. You know, those I think were we were more inspired by painters than we were by by filmmaking. Thank you guys so much for your time. And just curious question: If I never get to it, what does a white truffle? smell like i just i don't know if i'll ever get to that point or that town hopefully hopefully you could smell it while watching the film that was that was the goal that was the goal Mm -hmm. but because it's it's really it's i mean i think it's impossible to describe it's really there's nothing else like it on earth which is which is part of the reason why it's it's so prized but you know in in a lot of ways the the film was you know an attempt to 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 capture that that kind of that magic magical that magical scent that that words don't really there are no words to describe i think it's like trying to describe a perfume that's what we that's what we kind of compare it to it's pretty impossible except you can eat this but it's it's really difficult but what's interesting is that you know when you're in the forest and the dog starts to dig the forest permeates with this beautiful scent in the dark just imagine what that's like all of a sudden it's like you know it's like this beautiful perfume and then the dog gets excited the truffle hunter gets excited and it's very much a game between the two the truffle hunter of course wants the dog to be satisfied by finding a truffle which is almost impossible to end the you know the, the dog wants to satisfy the truffle hunter so if there's if, if the dog doesn't find a truffle that day that the truffle hunter will you know distract the dog and bury a little truffle so that the dog finds it that day but this is part of the, the, the beauty of that relationship. Thank you guys so much for your time. Really loved your documentary. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Greg. Thank you, Greg. Appreciate, Thank appreciate you. it. Take Take care. Care. Bye-bye.